Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Kurt, another week, another PBT Extra. I'm thrilled. How was your weekend? How are you doing generally? I'm doing really well. I did something this weekend that I think you would have enjoyed. I, uh, my wife studied abroad in Scotland, and we have some Scottish friends, so we threw a burn supper. A, well, I don't know what that is. What is that? It is a Scottish festival celebrating the birthday of Scottish poet Robert Burns, who <laughs> you would know. He is. He wrote. Uh, he wrote songs and poetry. Uh, the song you would know is "Old Lang Syne." Wow! Yeah, yeah of course. Uh, he wow. is. He is the Scottish national poet. So you, we cooked Scottish food and drank whist scotch and uh, read. His poetry is all in the native uh, Scottish tongue, uh, the old English Scottish tongue, which is, makes it just brutally impossible to read. Um, but we had a blast. Drank a bunch of whiskey. Actually had haggis and edible food and it had a blast wow it's just new year's eve it was just new year's eve in the middle of january again you're just like okay let's do, this <laughs> yeah, all let's do it again what, what is haggis uh in the you can't buy original haggis in america let's put it that way you can't buy the real stuff in in olden times it would have been essentially what we would call the awful the leftover parts of the animal cooked with oats in a sheep's bladder um, you can't get that exactly here, but you can get like minced meat with oats and a kind of, it's still not that good. It's still like, like that's one of those things, like it's the Scottish natural food. If you ever go to Scotland and see people eating it, they're tourists. Like nobody there actually eats it. Huh. Okay. That's, that I mean, that's a, I feel like that's the most interesting weekend we've, we've had, you know, yeah. I, I know we're just in London. So I don't think that's true. Yeah. I mean, but that, that's a good one. Wow. I, Okay. What are you, what are you, really, you set the bar really high. I did not do that. I did not have haggis. I, I will say, I what did I do this weekend? I did something interesting. No, I just think my, I'm back to my old ways. I just went back to the mat. <laughs> I, just went, I just went and looked at art and stuff and watched basketball. Uh, pretty, you know what I am? I am really fascinated with this one corner of the Met right now. Because, you know, the Met is so large. I don't know yeah, if you've been there recently. But it's, it's huge. So what I learned was... Um, I kind of just pick like basically 30 minutes. Imagine it like a work coffee break. I kind of just pick like 30 minutes and I just pick a section of the museum. And, you know, it, this could work for any museum in theory. You know, it could work for LACMA for you out in L.A. or whatever the road. Um, I just pick one section. So like recently I've been spending a lot of time in the um, South Indian section. I've been spending a lot of time. Uh, there's this Ganesha um, show right now at the Met. I've kind of just been hanging out in that section, just kind of like studying just different sculptures. Um, and it's been really fascinating. I've been learning a lot. So, and there's also this one little area, I'm not gonna disclose where it is in the Met uh, because it's my little reading nook, but I like to go there and just read. So I, I'll just like go look at like some, you know, some sculptures of Ganesha 
and then I'll go over to this area of the Met and then just like read, you know, read a book. So like, you know, recently I've been trying to read like the great learning, like all these like Confucius books and stuff and like ancient Chinese literature. And I just go to this little section and I just like read for like an hour and then leave, go home. Wow. Actually, no, that's a, that's a, like, I knew my, my, uh, my mother is a, a docent at the Getty. Uh, wow. And um, she like, will stay out. She'll get either get there early or stay late and just read in this, the beautiful gardens and outdoor spaces they have there. It's the best place to read. I mean, like I could read at my apartment in Queens or I could read at the Met. You kidding me? Like <laughs> not even, I'm a member, so I'm not a docent like your mom, which by the way is very cool. I mean, that's like a whole different level of like commitment to the arts. That's awesome. But yeah, but like to just go read, I just go hang out at like these museums, like the Whitney, the Met, MoMA. I'll just like go there and then just like answer emails or like read or like, you know, just like hang out. It's a, it's a beautiful place um, to just spend time. Yes. But anyway, it beats my living room. Yes. (laughs) But anyways, in L.A., we mentioned the Getty. Let's just go ahead and just move there in our basketball conversation as well. Rui Hachimura is now a Laker. This is an interesting move. So the Lakers traded three second round picks, three future second round picks, excuse me, and Kendrick Nunn to acquire Rui Hachimura, who was the ninth overall pick of the 2019 draft. Um, what what are your thoughts on this move? Did they get better? Yeah, a little bit, just because the Lakers don't have anyone like him. Like their 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 supporting cast is struggling, and they don't have a six eight guy who's kind of good at catch and shoot threes. Even though Hachimura is not necessarily a great defender, doesn't really create his own shot. Like there's he's a a nice look. He's probably going to get a league average salary, uh, you know, around ten million this year this off season when he's a free agent, that's kind of what, to me, that's kind of where he is. But for the Lakers, he kind of fills a need like they, you know, he might even be starting in a few weeks. It wouldn't be shocking just because Corey, they don't have anybody like that. And if you put a guy who can do hits, somebody hits some catch and shoot threes next to LeBron James. And suddenly that looks just really great in Los Angeles, doesn't it? Yeah. We, we think about Luca all the time. Well, Luca needs catch and shoot people right. around him. Right. And it's the same. I mean, Luca modeled his game. He, he, he was watching LeBron growing up and they have very similar, you know, as far as just size and skill set. So it makes sense as well that uh, that LeBron needs shooters around him. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, though. I don't know how much better they get. I think they do move forward. But once again, I mean, what, what is what is the goal? You know, is the goal to win a championship? This move will not get no, a championship. No, no. But as far as a marginal increase for the rest of the season, I, I think it's a good ad. I do think it is very pricey. I mean, I, first, my personal opinion. I mean, I understand Like we're looking at his averages right now, 13 points, 4.3 rebounds, 1.2 assists, 33.7% from three. And he's shooting just a hair under 50% from the floor at 48.8%. Look, I mean, three, three second round picks and Kendrick Nunn for that type of production, I think is expensive. Um, but I mean, I guess if you're the Lakers, Anything is a move forward. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I think that that's kind of where they are. They had to do something. This, I, you know, when I did my winners and losers column at NBC Sports, I said the winner was the Lakers front office. The Lakers get better, like I said, but with the front office is, hey, we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, look, we're, we're making a move that's a now move. We're giving up picks for a guy who's young and athletic and can help us. So you can sell that to unhappy fans or LeBron, <laughs> frankly, and say, hey, we're trying something, but they don't give up the first round picks. They don't give up anything substantial that they can 
you know, move forward. It, it tweaks their cap space situation in the offseason a little, but like it's it's a movable thing. You know what makes them better, Corey? They get Anthony Davis back. Yeah. <laughs> that's that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that that starts tonight and getting Anthony Davis back, you know, well, Wednesday night, Anthony Davis returns. That's that's what makes them better. Yeah, I mean, this is yeah, I feel like we're always talking with the Lakers. It's kind of like you mentioned, right? It's it's like oh, it's like a what's it called? Um, uh, a red herring. Yeah. And everyone's like, look over here. Look what we're doing with Russell Westbrook. Look what we're doing with you know with uh, Rui Hachimura. When the reality is, you know, the the bread and butter of the Lakers is Anthony Davis right. being healthy. And you know, LeBron can put up 40, 40 plus points, forty six, right? Recently, you can. But the, the reality is that they're still bad, and, yeah. and that's kind of like at this point, I wonder, you know, just. Uh, like all this extra stuff around, you know, the actual main course. Like it's great that you have, you know, this dessert or these cookies, but you know, I, I'm still hungry. Like I yeah. still need, I still need yeah. an entree. They, they, last night, uh, Tuesday night was a kind of perfect example against the Clippers. They, LeBron scored 46 and was again brilliant. Um, Clippers scored 77 in the first half, blew their doors off and ran away. Um, they're just not that good a team. Anthony Davis coming back helps starting Wednesday. Nice. Sorry to say this soft landing spot for a return against the Spurs. You put Hachimura in the starting lineup and, or, or in the rotation at least. And you get better. The, the advantage they have is Corey, the West is outside of Denver and um, uh, Memphis at the top. It's all tightly compacted. Like you get hot for a couple of weeks and suddenly things look better. Yes, I will say this about Hachimura as well, though. I, I, I was just watching, speaking of the Spurs, um, these, this whole Ring of the Rowell series that they're doing, documenting the history of the Spurs. And one thing I thought was fascinating with George Gervin when he was playing for the Virginia Squires, by the way, with Dr. J. Oh, that would have been fun. What? <laughs> now I want video of that. Like, that's some <laughs> Could you imagine that team? Let's just back up for a second. Like, George Gervin and Dr. J playing together, that, that probably would have been, like, the most fun basketball to watch right at that time yeah. that was crazy but anyways the spurs wanted dr j excuse me the spurs wanted george gervin um and apparently they come to like they came to some sort of verbal agreement with the virginia squires and then george gervin went on a tear like averaging like 28 or 30 points the next four games and then the deal was like okay we need more for him right and then you know whatever all this stuff happened you know we're fast forwarding it's just Corey spark notes the spurs got george gervin but it kind of reminds me of like hachimura where like he just dropped 30 you know like yeah. it's like the concept of like okay we're gonna we're approaching the trade deadline his average is at 13 points and four rebounds it's okay like you said yeah. league average like he can get you better especially if you're kind of swapping out kendrick nunn and some future picks second round picks but then he goes on this tear drops 30 right and it's like okay now we understand what we could be getting and you realize once again with the NBA that like at any point any one of these guys can drop thirty. Yeah. But, it, but the, the the question is, can they help your team take that step? But I thought that was an interesting kind of you know past and present kind of thing. Yeah. If you're not LeBron James, it's so much, or you know George Griffin. If you're not a star, like it does so much come down to fit for role players. And maybe Hachimura's fit is better here than the very crowded front court in Washington. Um, I'm by the way from Washington's end of this, it's fine. Like I don't. I still don't know quite what they're doing. So they they free up some money. They are going hard at Kyle Kuzma this summer. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World? Like, hey, we came to play. Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day, or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. 
because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's move to Orlando. Yeah. This is the first time I think we may have talked about Orlando since they got to <laughs> zero. So this is very exciting. I'm excited to give uh, them a little spotlight on the podcast. Yes. Jonathan Isaac, last game he played in was in the bubble in 2020, which is just a hard concept. Dealt with injuries. Finally made his debut back. And uh, he, he subbed in on a just a single sub. The entire arena gave him a standing ovation. And yeah. in 10 minutes, he had 10 points. You know, first half, he was two for five. But then the second time, he's on a strict minutes restriction, obviously, after two and a half years with injuries. And he had a, a very fruitful second half appearance. He started to say he, he felt more comfortable. What did you take away from um, his debut? Just first off, the perseverance it takes when you've had an injury and then a setback from that injury and two and a half years. I mean, he got paid. He could have... He could have coasted. He chose not. He fought to get back to this point, to get back on the floor. So I think that that part of the story is great. This is a fun, exciting story. And, and we'll see how he fits. He was way pre-Pancaro and everybody else. He was early on, like, this guy could be the face of the team. This could be our next star. But he was a defensive force who could finish around the rim a little, and his offensive game was really raw. Well, now he's not going to be asked to generate offense the same way, not – not with Boncaro there, not with Franz Wagner there. Like he, he's even, you know, with some of the other guards they've got, Markel Fultz and stuff, they've got some people who can do a little creation. So if he just defends and finishes, he actually could fit really well with them once he kind of gets – if he can just stay healthy and get his legs under him, like there might be a real fit there. Yes, and he, had, he knocked down a couple of threes as well. So just yeah. kind of stretching the floor, big man. Um, and he added three rebounds, one assist, two steals in his in his debut. Yeah, I think for, for me, when I look at this, let's just kind of back out from playing to more of an athlete perspective, just mentally. You know, I always remember uh, growing up, my dad would always tell me, like, you know, when you get to this level, um, the NBA, the difference between, you know, good and great is all here, right? Like, because everyone's talented. Everyone, <laughs> you're like one of the best athletes in the world. But the difference is, you know, how do you approach the game, the, the mentality you know, so I think this is a fascinating when you hear his comments, it's fascinating to see like, you know, the two words that he brought out were peace and relief. So when you have two and a half years of injuries, I mean, I don't know if you've ever like, you know, tweaked an ankle or, you know, played pickup. Yeah, nothing, nothing on this level. Yeah. But even just going to rehab, you know, like just for a small yeah. injury for a couple months is exhausting, right? Because like, you have a full time job, you're trying to go to rehab in the morning or during your lunch break or whatever. And you're just frustrated. You're like, why can't this thing just heal? Right. Imagine being like one of the top athletes in the world and this is what you do and this is what you feel like you were born to do and that in, that level of frustration just is compounded right especially over two and a half years and then the, the big word in the nba is the c word confidence 
And yeah. if you don't have any confidence, you can't play at that level. Because once again, it's all here. You can't be great. You can't even be good if you don't have confidence. So I, I do think that this is a good a sign for Orlando that he's playing, you know, that second half at least with confidence and he has relief and peace. Um, I think that's a good thing for them. Yeah, and he's not being thrown into a situation with too much pressure yet, right? Like Orlando's still a rebuilding team that's going to have a big high draft pick again this year. They're not out there, you know. It's tougher to make those comebacks if you are, I don't know, on Milwaukee or Boston or somebody, you know, Denver right now where the the commitment – and Denver's dealing with that, obviously, with Murray and, and Porter Jr. But, like, the pressure is very different here. It's like, hey, take your time. We are not in a rush. Get, get, yeah. get yourself right, which is great. So back, back in the bubble, you know, the, the team, I think – I mean, you looked at so many different iterations of this Magic team. You know, you had Markel Fultz, Mo Bamba – and Jonathan Isaac, and that's basically the only yeah we left. <laughs> but they but they've made smart moves. They got your guy Bull Bull has yes. they've given him a Big role. Bull Bull, I like Bull Bull a lot. Yeah, uh, yeah, they made smart moves. Right, they drafted Boncaro. You know, Bogner's playing well for them. But I will say this though: this is my issue with Orlando, Kurt. You know, we always like to go reach into the past, the past thirty years. Have the Magic organization, you know, made good decisions regarding their franchise players? I think the historic answer is probably not. When you think about Dwight Howard, Shaq, and Penny Hardaway, I mean, whenever they've gotten people, yeah. it's just like or Aaron Gordon recently, who found a nice role with Denver, now the top team, and you know, so yeah. it's. it's I, I don't think that they've done a good job of. Yes, they can acquire. And they can identify, which, you know, it's two of the hardest things to do in professional sports is identify talent and acquire talent. Great. But can you build around that and retain talent? I mean, that's like very few great companies, you know, have figured that one out. They lose all their talent to everybody else. And I think the magic, I mean, Von Carroll is like, he's, he's, he's kind of like, I mean, I'm not going to say he's the real deal yet. It's very early, but I mean, he's playing. He looks like he, I mean, he looks like he very much could be, though, doesn't he? Could be, yeah. He looks like he's, his game is perfect for the NBA. And that's, you know, and that's like a really exciting prospect for this Orlando team. Um, that has not who's you know, floundered as far as figuring out who that franchise player is. Yeah, and well, look, while we're in Orlando, I it's time to turn on Corey's jukebox because I think that you're taking that to Orlando. Yeah, I mean, I mean Orlando's getting a lot of time. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good time. You know what? It's if you're going to be in Orlando, late January, early February is the time to be there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess you're right. Wasn't the Premier League just there too for their fan fest? Oh, were, yes, NBC was just there for. Uh, I mean, they were they were promoting Arsenal and not the good team Newcastle. But yeah, they were they were down there promoting. Uh, they were doing uh, stuff at the uh, the, uh, at, the uh, at the Universal Park down there. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. Maybe maybe this is just you know like the the symphony, the synergy of all the NBC properties. We're just all going <laughs> to Orlando right now. But yeah, so all I ask of you uh, is my is one of my favorite songs. I think uh, at the current moment because you know it, it's hard to say favorite song of all time you know it's like different seasons of life but right now all i ask of you uh it's, it's from phantom of the opera the version because there are different versions the version we're, we're choosing for Corey's jukebox today is by sarah brightman and steve barden and the original london cast of the phantom of the opera it's a beautiful version beautiful yeah. but this is one of andrew my favorite lloyd songs webber. what andrew lloyd webber yes i mean re- i mean super talented he wrote this i mean anyway i'm not gonna get into the details of how this came about but I mean, really, really great opera, um, a great musical. So this song is one of my favorite songs right now, and and I think it perfectly encapsulates 
um, or captures rather what Orlando is kind of going through this moment of hopefulness um, in the midst of darkness. Right. I mean, you think, as I mentioned, not only the injuries, but then, you know, losing your franchise player in Aaron Gordon, um, just trying to understand, well, where are we going from here? That's the darkness that Orlando has been mired in. And then finally, you get Van Caro, who's looking like he could evolve into like a really, really good player, which is exciting, right? right? Then you have your injured players coming back and accepting roles, right? And having the right mindset around that. Great. You have role players stepping up and maturing as players. Great. You know, it seems as though they're starting to kind of see light, you know, for the first time in many years. And that's what this, this song is all about, right? It's like, let me be your freedom. Let me be your light, right? And that's kind of like what what the guy is singing to the to the, to the girl in this in this song. Um, and she's like, "All I want is um, day without night," right? That's kind of like all I want. And that's kind of what the Orlando Magic is like. All I want, right? For Paulo Bancaro is just like freedom, security, light, and peace, and everybody there. So it looks like they're experiencing that briefly, or at least have the opportunity to pursue. I think, that. yeah, I think they do. It's funny, I. I have heard from front office people thinking they're, man, they're winning more than I thought they would. If I were them, I'd try to back like, they're, like they're hurting their draft pick opportunities because these guys are coming along a lot faster than they thought, and it's a weird line to walk. Like, so I think you know, I think they're handling it pretty well. They've developed talent, but I'm with you, Ben Carroll. You know, he's a rookie. I'm we're only going to go so far down that road, but he looks like the kind of franchise cornerstone potential top 10 player that you have to have if you really want to contend in the, in the NBA. And there is good reason for hope down there. Yeah. And, and the music too, I think yeah. when I, when I think about like this, this song um, there's also a reprise version, which immediately follows this song. You know, if you know the, the movie and musical, yeah. which is sung by the phantom, which is basically like, I gave you my music. You know, I, I made your your uh, song take wing and now this is how you repay me, you know, deny me and betray me. So there is this element here of, yes, hope, but the same song, the same melody with this ominous undertone. And I do feel like that also exists very much so in Orlando, given the history that we discussed, where yeah. they're not very good at retaining talent, good at identifying it good at acquiring it. But there is that element where. I feel like Van Caro could deny and betray them and then go be somewhere else like Aaron Gordon and then go be at the top team somewhere else. So it is there. I hope not for their sake, but yeah, it's, it's, it is Orlando. Yeah, it is Orlando. So that's the jukebox. I only did one, one this time because I just wanted to focus there. And then also I think with the, all I ask of you, it's a very simple premise. It's like, well, you know, the, the song once again is about, you know, loving someone and being loved in return. That's like with a whole basic premise of the song. And that's all that the person asks of the other person that their lover. I feel like at the same time with this NBA team, it's kind of like that, right? Like all I ask of you is like, accept your role, do your job, right? And like, we don't need to be like, and no one needs to be a superstar. And I think Jonathan Isaac returning is a perfect example of that. Like, yeah, like said, just defend, do your job, make some open shots, stretch the floor. And like, we could, we improve greatly, you know, like, and I think that's what this young team just needs is we don't need superstars. Just do your job. That's all I ask of you. I, I don't you sell. I mean, I think all you ask as a fan is a team that plays hard, tries, and doesn't squander its opportunities. And when you're Orlando, just hey, if I see these young kids going out and getting better and playing hard, then that's what I'm asking as a fan, isn't it? I, I, I want to see, I want to be sold hope. 
And this is a hopeful, that is a very hopeful song. Um, but you're right. The best part of that is that the Phantom comes in and tweaks, we'll say, the story with the, with the, the song with a, with a darker undertone. Yeah. That, you know, I, I don't think we need to remind Magic <laughs> exists. Yeah. And yeah, don't watch the rest of the musical. It doesn't go well. So <laughs> let's, let's go to. Let's don't stand go up in the chandelier. You're good. <laughs> Uh, I knew you were going to bring that up. Let's go to the uh, NBA All-Star voting, shall we? It's different this year, and this is fascinating. We, we're so used in recent years to so many different tweaks on the, in the program. And then now, you know, in, in recent years, it's been they go on television and they do a live draft, right? Um, and then this year, it's different. What's different this year, Kurt? Uh, they are going to do the draft live on the court before the game, which means you are going to get named – yeah, we will let's just pick random guy we know is going to make the team. Jason Tatum gets named an All Star. Will go to Salt Lake City, not knowing what team he's going to be on for the game. Going through practice, by the way, they're not picking the teams until Sunday, right before the game, which means he's got to go. I'm not sure what the Saturday practices look like that they're going to have. Like the coaches, who's teaching, coaching who, who gets anyway. Um, like you can't install. They don't really install play as much anyway, but like what are you doing in this practice? Um, Sunday, they're going to pick the, the captains, the two captains, which are probably, um, look, it'll be LeBron and as one of them again. And by the way, five and O oh as captain, he has yet to lose. And uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, probably maybe Kevin Durant catches him uh, for that other spot. They're going to pick these players live on the court and then basically start the game. You know, it's going to be interesting. Do you, what is your, what is your initial reaction when you hear this new plan? I know the NHL did this basically a couple of years ago. Um, and I, I, I don't know. It, they're so, they're trying so hard to make the actual star game. Interesting, Corey. Uh, they, you know, the, the only thing that's even given it a modicum of work is work kind of well is putting the, uh, they don't call it the Elam ending, which is the name everybody else is using. It's the target score ending where you're just trying to get to a target score. That's had, some pop, I guess, but it's hard to make that game interesting to me. So I'm, I, I'm willing to try anything, I guess. I'm, I'm reserving judgment on this, but you shake up the teams however you want. I, I am going to look forward to like we'll see, you know, we'll see who they are, but like who's the last guy picked? Because <laughs> it's one thing to do it when it's on TNT and it's just names on a board, and it's another thing when like. Trey Young is physically sitting there and nobody's picking him or whoever it is, right? Yeah. It, it kind of is like the playground mentality. You yeah, know, where you exactly. go to the playground, it's like, hey, we got our captains. LeBron's like, yep, you. And then KD or Giannis is like, yep, you. It's like, hmm, yeah. you. So I, I do feel like this goes back to the roots of basketball, which is like playground ball, you know? Well, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I do think that is great. I do think the um, this idea of trying to make practice competitive because it's essentially a tryout. You know, like, so that's kind of like what it is as far as like, okay, well, yeah, we're all all stars, but like, if you want to start, like you got to earn the starting job and like, you know, you're being evaluated at practice before the actual game and, you know, and also the whole pride element of like, okay, well, I don't want to be the last guy picked and, you know, yeah. it's going to be on TV on national television. Like we're doing like pickup basketball playground style, like who gets picked last or first on TV and everyone's yeah. watching back home. Like that's kind of embarrassing if, you know, if you're an all-star and then kind of like putting in this idea of hierarchy and competition within that live, I think it kind of harkens back to this initial idea of like take pride in the game. 
And that's one thing that we have never seen in recent years, I should say. Because back in the day, it used to be like that. People used yeah. to say, like, you know, we're the best players in the world. You know, we go here to play basketball. And, yeah. you know, we take pride in this game. And you saw that level of competition. And then recently, this has been like basically like Las Vegas or just Hollywood. It's, it's a show. It's an exhibition. Yeah. It's just a- yeah it's, so now I think they're trying to go, okay, let's talk about, let's go back from entertainment value and like a production. This is no longer a production. This isn't like, you know, Cirque du Soleil. Like this <laughs> is like a competition. And, uh, and I think this, they're trying their hardest to get back to that, their roots. Yeah. I, I get that. It's just, nobody's going to defend. Nobody, so it's still going to yeah, be. And, and that's what I'm saying. It's just like, and that's what's so And yeah. Hey, can I, how, how many, how many, how many alley-oops off the backboard can you have in one game? Like it's yeah. be one of those. So. Yeah. It's like, it's like Harlem Globetrotters. And, and I, and I think that there's like an element, like I said, they want to get back to like take pride in the game, take pride in like competition yeah. Um, because well, like, I mean, when I go to the all-star game and stuff, you know, the two best events, in my personal opinion, recently, I would say second is kind of tied, uh, but number one by far is the legends brunch Sunday morning. Then the number two one, in my personal opinion, is a, is split between the tech summit, which is really interesting and always great. Yeah, that's and, the, uh, and then the three point contest. But then, you know, outside of that, like the rest of the all-star weekend, I kind of just stay in my hotel, <laughs> like eat food and talk to my dad, right? So like, it's just not really, but so you actually, a lot of times you leave after the uh, legend brunch, you don't even go to the game because it's not that interesting. So I, I do think they're trying to make the all-star game, the crown jewel, like a reason to watch and a reason to stay the whole yeah. weekend. Uh, but, you know, who knows? What's your favorite part of the weekend? Actually, yeah, the tech summit's always fascinating. Um, it is, a, I don't think people understand the, circus that is that goes around this every shoe company vaguely affiliated beverage company um it's there's events and things going on all weekend all over you know whatever city you're in uh it'll be in salt lake this year in february um so i it is a it is a huge party that goes on for three days but i've heard the legend brunch is great uh the tech summit is fascinating It, it is really the the thing and I, I always look I'm always the fun part of this is that there are a lot of other players that sometimes go that weekend and sometimes as a media member you can actually get it's hard because there's a lot of media there everybody's there but sometimes you can get little nuggets away from everything that's that'll be interesting you know you can get guys or some guys just who aren't there that honest just feel like being honest that day as opposed to <laughs> their usual kind of guarded self so you're looking for that and then on the court the three-point contest has become my favorite thing because that's the one the stars show up to defend. Like Curry and Clay Thompson and Joe Harris and name all your best shooters in the league, go out and play. Like they take part in this, and that makes it – it's not like the dunk contest where the best players aren't part of it. It's like that – I think on the court, the three-point contest is is the most fun part. So this all-star game, you know, I know yeah. you wrote what, – what, what, give me an idea of, you know, you're starting – so yeah, I had so I I'll, I do have I'm one of the media members with a vote to balance out so that Zaza Pachulia doesn't become a starter. Um, <laughs> I'll leave you though. I'm going to ask you, Corey, the, the mm-hmm. question that everybody I know who had a vote generally struggled with because normally this is like whatever kind. Of, I don't want to say whatever kind of vote, but like all right, I didn't vote this guy in, but I did vote this guy in, but the other guy's going to make you know guy A is still going to make it as an all star, and that's the case here, but. Corey, you get three front court spots in the East. Who do you leave out? 
Giannis, Antetokounmpo, Kevin Durant, Joel Embiid, or Jason Tatum? Because one of them comes off the bench. Jason Tatum's in. Yeah, I think I would, I would reverse everything. I would say, well, Jason's one for sure. Giannis yeah. is one for sure. Um, and then it comes down to Embiid or Durant. And I think at that point, I mean, that is, that's very hard. <laughs> I know that's really hard. I mean, I think, ooh, let me just double check how many games Durant has played. Durant, Durant has missed a bunch. He is hoping, I'm, I'm not sure what the number is now. He is, he said yesterday that he hopes to return in time to play for the game. Like he wants to. And, and look, Durant's a hooper. It's not a surprise that he wants to be back and like he likes to compete. So. Yeah, he's played in 39 games this year. Um, he's having, yeah, I mean, this is this is tough. I think, I think I would go Embiid, but the thing about this is that when you think about starters, like KD has been the catch in the past two two years yeah. back to back. Like it's just it's you can't have that kind of precipitous fall from back to back captain. And even he was still catch when he was injured. Remember that? Like he was yeah, playing, he was still voting. If he, if he gets whoever gets the most fan votes is the captain, even if you don't play. So it, yeah, um, LeBron. So, so maybe I would say I would say Embiid. I mean, Embiid is. I mean, I know Embiid has played actually less. Wow, he's Embiid has played only thirty four games. Yeah. Uh, versus KD's thirty nine, but I mean he's putting up thirty three and nine. It's just ridiculous. I, I, I got I got to say Joel. What did you, who did you say? Um, I. I'd move Joel to the second unit, um, but mm-hmm. just based on games played, not anything else. And whatever, when it gets announced, I'm like, I don't, there wasn't a wrong answer. Here is one of those things where you're like, yeah, there's yeah, no wrong answer. There. There's no wrong answer. Whoever I had, I moved Joel to this, to the um, second unit along with my, my reserves, my seven reserves that I picked were Joel Embiid because he didn't start the other two front court guys. Pascal Siakam and a semi-controversial Jimmy Butler, who hasn't wow. played a ton, of been a, time, yeah, but he played yeah, really well when he's played. Yeah. Um, um, Jalen Brown's got to be in for me. Kyrie Irving's been good enough to make like he's he's just played too well not to be there. James Harden has played too well not to be there, and that leaves a brutal last spot where it's Bam Adebayo, Demar Derozan, Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, Drew Holiday. Like it's hard. Hmm. It's hard to make yeah. that pick. I went without a bio. He's been playing better lately. He's a, a more of a two-way guy. But Julius Randle put up 36. He's been playing great ball lately. Julius Demarta Rosen has a really good case. Like, there's no again, there's no bad answer here. So we'll we'll see what. Uh, remember the fans slash media slash fans get 50 percent of the vote and the, the and the tiebreaker for starters, and then the media and players vote as well. But the reserves are all chosen by a vote of the coaches, um, yep. which is always interesting because I know that there's some coaches who sit down with their staff like in the back of a plane and hash it out. Hmm. And then there's times that that just falls to some back. It rolls down the hill until it can't roll anymore and lands on a backbench assistant that's got you're doing it. Yeah, <laughs> so we'll yeah. see. It lands in different places. It'll depending on the club. So I I had snubbed. DeRozan and the two Knicks, uh, much to the dismay of, of of our producers. Yeah, Joe um, probably did not like that. Joe did not like that. Um, and I think it's a valid point. Like, um, But that's where I left it in the East. Um, it's there's I, Again, I, I think Adebayo and Butler, you can make a case. Both of them don't deserve to be there. So, Yeah. 
What do you think about, uh, you mentioned the, the voting system, you know, uh, and we're also talking fan vote, 50%, 25% media, 25% players, you know, as far as like the stars are concerned. Uh, what do you think about the fan voting system? It's an exhibition. Like I would, I'm pretty comfortable with the fan vote, except I understand why the league is, you know, they changed it this year because last year Wiggins was a starter in part because he's a warrior and he gets a lot of votes and because he's good. And in part because K-pop star Bam Bam tweeted out, Hey, uh, that he wanted Wiggins to be a follower and his 8 trillion Twitter followers tweeted it out and those all counted as votes. So you can't vote on social media this year. You actually have to go to through the NBA app or you have to go to NBA.com. You can't just hashtag somebody on, on social media and vote like you could in years past. Um, and ju- just to limit the, uh, those kind of things. But I, I don't, to me, it's a fan vote. So like, Hey, I mean, I get that they don't want, there would be fan collusion to put people in who maybe don't deserve it. But on the flip side, yeah, whatever. Like I just, yeah, I don't. I'm kind of like, I, I would, I would, I mean, I understand that the NBA wants to engage the fans. It's the whole point of All-Star Weekend is, you know, to yeah. bring the fans into the family. Internationally, the not just here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, internationally. I understand that. However, I do think there are times, especially if the NBA is trying this hard, where every year there's a wrinkle. And like, yeah. not just a wrinkle, but like. We're gonna change the scoring system. We're gonna, <laughs> like, we're, we're gonna change like how we do the draft. Like it's like and televise it. Like we're not talking like small wrinkles. Like oh, this rules no. change. We're talking about like massive fundamental changes. Yeah. Like just trying to understand like the impact of this game. I think they should just go back to an old tried and true method, and that is like look, just pick the players yourself. I think the league yeah. should just pick the players and say look, like you know we know you know as far as who are our stars. And this they do this on Christmas Day. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah. Christmas Day is, is successful as, as I go as like, you know, as an entity of Christmas Day games. Like, you know who your stars are. You know who you're building the league around in the future and who, you know, gets you your all your all your money now. And like you. So I understand it, like you want to do that. But I would just say, let the league pick all the all stars and then for the all star game and just say, OK, now you guys go play. I think that would you know invigorate the game itself. Because it's not just like because right now one of the biggest issues is it's not even interesting and the fans are voting half of the people in and yeah. it's still not that interesting. So and my, my point is that like you should just go back to the league taking full control over it just for maybe one year and just kind of see what that looks like and see what happens. What's the flag football version of of the, the all star game that we can half do? Court, just all half court. <laughs> half court, no no transition, yeah. no fast breaks. Just play half court. That might be interesting too, because you know, like uh, I don't know if you've seen the uh, the three the three x three, you know, like the yeah, yeah. games. They're fast, they're physical. That's, that might be a fast. That might be fun. And, well, the NHL is sort of doing something like that, aren't they? Aren't there all stars? They're doing like four teams of four or something, and doing these smaller, you know, hold the court kind of games. I believe so. Like maybe, maybe you evolve it that way. Yeah, king um, of the court. Wow, could you imagine a three x three king of the court? So. Okay. Yeah, there we go. By the way, my West, I should we should run through this since we did the East. Fans are voting in Curry and Doncic as starters. Yeah, that's who I voted for. Like they're, they're the two best guards. But the West is so deep with guards. That's where it gets tricky. But Curry and Doncic deserve to start. Jokic is a given. LeBron has earned not only a fan vote, but frankly, just with his play, is more than yeah, earned a yeah. spot. That last spot, did Zion play enough? 
Did Anthony Ooh. Zion and Anthony Davis have been better than everybody else when they've played, but it's been a limited number of minutes. Or do you go to Sabonis, who's I think the next best guy, playing all the time for maybe the best story in the league in the Sacramento Kings, putting up numbers, but his highs aren't as high as Zion. So I voted Zion because ultimately, again, fan game, who do I want to see play? He played sixty, a little over 60% of his team's games when I had to vote. So I put him in as a starter, but if you want to say it should be Sabonis or even Davis, fine. I don't know. Who would you go with of that group? Sabonis. Uh, but I do understand what you're saying. As far as the league's concerned, you got to have Zion there, I think. I think, yeah, Zion and Davis have to be reserves, right? Yeah, they have to, I mean, they have to be part of this game. And then I do think, and I do think he's played, Zion's played 29 games. I just looked it up. And he's out again. So yeah. like, it, so it is, and it's he might not be in the. He might not play just because his hamstring. Is, I mean, they're saying two weeks. At that point, do you just they get Ingram back tonight? Um, they get on Wednesday night. If you can hold, keep your head above water, do you let Zion rest through the All Star break and then bring him back? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And so I I, I understand like the, yeah. the concerns there, but I would say the thing that I do love about All Star is that even one All Star selection could change, you know, your legacy as a player, yeah. right? I mean, and, and yeah. to think about the, like, these moments where, okay, yeah, we know Zion's going to get, like, 10 All-Stars. <laughs> like, he's, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's, like, if he plays 15 years, 20 years, he's going to get, like, double-digit All-Stars, you know, selections. But, like, how many All-Star selections will Sabonis get in his in his career? You know, two, three? He's got, like, two. He's got two. or th- He's got two from... Yeah, he's got two over... So, my point is that, like, in these kind of moments where, like, yeah. Julius Randle, when he got his All-Star... You know, yeah. like, I, I do think that that is significant for one's legacy. Yeah. And if there are windows where other players, you know, are, are injured or not playing as well, or not, sorry, not injured or not playing at the moment, and you have, you know, gotten that spot, it's a nice one-off kind of thing. So I think, personally, I'm like, okay, well, if Sabonis has earned it, you know Zion's going to get plenty more, I go Sabonis. Yeah, that's fair. I, look, whichever one of those three, the two of those three you don't put in that last spot, end up his reserve. So I had Sabonis and Davis as reserve. Lowry Markinen. Yeah, he's been playing really well. This is another example. Really well, yeah. Absolutely there to me. He's not starting, but he is absolutely reserve. Then they're just so deep with guards out West. I went with four reserve mm-hmm. guards. Ja Morant, yep. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who frankly could start the way he's played. Devin Booker, who's missed a lot of time, but I just he's too good to leave off. Yep, and yep. Damian Lillard, who's under the radar, been really good this year. Like Damian Lillard's played really good basketball. Uh, Portland's not good. Um, And if that's my five, then your snubs are De'Aaron Fox, who has played really well for the Kings. Uh, Paul George, who, you know, everybody's like, how much has he played? Paul George has played more than you think, and he's played really well. Uh, Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I mean, he he, he, he deserves a shot there. I mean, he's been playing extremely well. So those those are my snubs, but um, Fox, George, Gordon, um, if you're a – Jaron Jackson Jr. guy, or you want to make some other cases, there's some people out there. So Fox is the one I feel bad about. Like, I I don't know. Hope Not that I'm rooting for an injury for anyone, but, like, if he got bumped up, that would probably be deserving. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But for the Kings to have two All-Star, I ain't not. Yeah, do they need two? That's, yeah. that's a lot. I mean, I mean, especially, yeah. So They are third they are in the West right now, but, yeah. That's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. They are, they are, and we haven't talked about them enough, frankly, some, in some ways on this. They, they have been maybe the most entertaining story. No, you're right. If they can keep it up, I'm kind of, 
I'm interested to see if they can keep it up. But right now, they've been very good. They've been consistent. But we know that post-All-Star is where, really, that's where you really test the medal. Post-All-Star yeah. is like, remember when the, there was a time when the Chicago Bulls, remember when Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan were like the two Bulls averaging over whatever, 25 points a game, two Bulls since Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, doing that. Bulls were right, one, two in the Eastern Conference. We're like, this, this Bulls team is really good. Then post-All-Star break, just like precipitous fall. Just yeah. like... So like I, I do, I know it's possible. I've seen it happen before. I've lived long enough and watched enough basketball where I don't trust anything pre All Star. Like you got to prove it to me post All Star. So when when the Kings prove it to me post All Star, then you know we can talk about them more. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but then again, I don't I don't decide to run down standards. So <laughs> now that the last part of the the last part of the show is always the fun segment. So we're doing the Mad Lib again. Um, I'm curious to see what you thought about this biopic because you know you have all of the you have all of the Oscar Oscar nominations coming out and Elvis uh, is nominated for Best Picture, Austin Butler uh, I think also for Best Actor if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So if if you had a biopic, you know who would you want portraying you? Um, and then also on the flip side, if you don't want to do that, um, if you were asked to uh, to portray someone in biopic, like who who would you want? Who would yes. you want to do? I will tell you now that my I've already had this conversation with my wife because so much of this stuff is available on streaming now. Plus, when your brother is an executive at Fandango, you get to see movies. Um, the week after All-Star, when the, there are no NBA games, like that dead period, we're cramming in <laughs> the, the movies. that Like, I don't have time to watch a lot of during the season. It's hard to, to, hey, let's carve out Saturday night. You know, oh, shoot, there's a game tonight. I should be watching. You're like, it's hard to carve out time to watch everything all together all at once. And some of the stuff I haven't seen yet. Um, so anyway, um, I'm excited. For, I'm really looking forward to that, but a biopic of me would suck. Like that would just be <laughs> boring as hell. Um, that's yeah. It's almost, yeah. It, it's not interesting. I would, I, Dan, had, our producer phrased it two ways. Like if I, cause I, if you, besides who's playing me, you want the, the guy from Pawn Stars or something. I don't. It's not going to be that interesting. Like, I on the other hand am willing to lose weight and do whatever it takes, and then you know get a hair weave or something. If we're going to play anybody in a movie, can I be Joe Strummer in a Clash biopic? Wow, that, that would be my that would be my dream. Like a method actor. Wow. Okay, that's a good one. Wow. Okay. Wow. If I get to pick anyone. Yeah, but now you actually have had an interesting life. So, like, who's playing you in your movie? No, no, there, there won't be a movie. Uh, <laughs> definitely not. And uh, start meeting a Kardashian. Get your own series. <laughs> no, there, there's no movie coming out. Uh, <laughs> but I think if I was an actor and I wanted to portray someone in a biopic, um, I, I wouldn't do anyone famous. I wouldn't do anyone really, you know, like a world leader or like a, you know, a Hall of Fame musician or actor or you know or whatever like. Because recently I was studying a lot about this because, you know, Maria Callas, uh, I don't know if I'm saying her name, like Callas, uh, Maria, one of the best uh, opera singers. Like, you know, I think didn't Angelina Jolie, isn't she like chosen to present her? Uh, you know, Natalie Portman did, you know, Jackie. Kennedy yeah. on so, I mean, it's like these are like some really big projects. Um, I think I would I think I would want to portray someone like really like like an like an ordinary person who was caught up in an extraordinary event. 
you know, and then return to an ordinary life. Isn't that like the whole like story of the Hobbit? <laughs> like, you know, like it's like an ordinary yeah. who like yeah. stumbled upon a ring and then found like, you know, this whole crazy thing and then wrote a book about it. Like, I would like to, to portray someone like that and then who returned to anonymity. So like, I don't know who that is. I didn't do any research, but that's kind of like the concept for me, like to just be yeah. like, I think that because those to me, like my favorite movies, you know, are either like really boring like you know interior studies of someone's life like just a normal housewife living in belgium just kind of like what's her day look like you know like that those are like my kind of favorite movies just like random like boring tedious like humanity playing out over three hours uh but i do think that would be a really fun like story just like a yeah so i would i would choose that story that's an interesting story. Yeah, it's going to have to be a little different. You're going to stand out in the Shire. You're a little too tall <laughs> for, uh, for the actual Frodo kind of role. But yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not the Shire. Maybe not the Shire. <laughs> what, what was that poem's name? The Robert Burns. Maybe, maybe that, you know, maybe like uh, the Scottish. Go, 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 go Google some Robert Burns, try to read it, and then go, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, maybe I don't know if I'd be able to pronounce half the lines the way you're describing it. Yeah, by the way, I'm just going to tell you now that like a couple glasses of whiskey does not help. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, so Robert Burns is off the table. So anyways, if you want more uh, coverage of uh, what Kurt and his team are doing, then why don't you go to NBCSports.com slash NBA. Kurt, I'll see you next week. And I'm very excited. The more we get closer to February, you know what that means? All-star, all-star, all-star. So I'm looking forward to it. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.